0: welcome 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 back to locked on 76ers i'm your co-host keith pompey along with divine gibbons thanks for making locked on 76er your first listen every day we are free and available wherever you get your podcast so how you doing d i'm pretty good man uh all things considered after the tough loss sixers suffered last night by four points to the Denver Nuggets. All is good other than that. Yeah, it was a tough one for the 76ers. Now, let me say something, D. It was 114-110. The Sixers blew a 19-point second quarter lead. So, for the first segment, I guess we want to dissect that game, right? Now, the second segment, I want to talk to you about Doc Rivers made a statement saying he wants James Harden to be more aggressive, looking more for his shot as opposed to just worrying about being a point guard and setting other guys out. Uh, then the third thing, we got to talk about the head-to-head battle between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. I mean, that's what everyone came to see, right? So I think let's talk about those three things. Now, to me or, or to you, again, the Sixers lost to Denver 114-110. They blew a 19-point lead. What stood out the most to you? Well, for me, uh, I thought it was the uh, transition
1: opportunities uh, for the Denver Nuggets that really hurt the 76ers because it was such a big discrepancy there. 19 point lead, as you talked about, and uh, as they held in the second quarter. By the time that they you know, they had that beat in the second quarter, by the time we got to halftime, it was a kitchen, open floor plan. It was a 58. 53 um, advantage for the Sixers at the half. So they wiped out 14 points the Denver Nuggets did, which was crucial for their comeback. And eventually the Sixers were up by seven after three and an opportunity down towards the end. But I, I just, the fact that uh, I thought that the, the defensive transition opportunities, which continue to be a problem for the 76ers, really bit them in. The, you know what? Last night, Keith. In that game, so 28 to 11,
0: I believe it was, 29 to 11. Yeah, 29 to 11. number transition buckets, and they can't have that. They feel like they're going to be able to win. That's not a winning formula if you cannot stop stop any team defensively and transition. Nah, you can't. It was 29-11. I mean, it was 13 for 13. It was like a layup line, right? You know, basically sure. getting in there. I mean, but here's the thing that gets me. You know, a lot of that stuff was happening when once the Sixers went to their bench, like they would take Embiid out, they would put DeAndre Jordan in, the team, the other team would go on the run, right? So when you look at it, the Sixers played uh, four guys on the bench, right? And there, those four guys, DeAndre Jordan, George Niang, Danny Green, and Shake Milton, combined to shoot four for twenty-four right? Now, here we go when we talk about the defense, right? So, right now, you look at the defense, and you got DeAndre Jordan, a minus five, George Niang, a minus 19, Danny Green, a minus eight, Shake Milton, a minus 11. They were combined minus 43. So, when you look at that you're saying to yourself, like, these guys were the brunt of that defensive shortcoming. You know what I mean? It was like they would take Joel out, and next thing you know, they were getting hammered. It was it was horrible, dude. It was horrible. And um, Yeah, and, and B got into foul trouble, so Doc Rivers had to make a decision on what he wanted to do as far as keeping Embiid in the game. And there was a little time left in the second quarter after you pick up the second foul. And as Doc Rivers decided to make the substitution,
1: that's when the Denver Nuggets went on their run, and it was, it was tough because you feel like that's a, obviously a big, big decision to make in deciding on what you would like to do as far as if you want to be able to leave them in there you trust them to stay out of foul trouble. At one point, they decided to use Jordan Niang on Nicole Jokic and had Joel Embiid playing off the ball on one of the other defenders, and it worked out because he ended up with a block shot on the weak side. As a help defender versus banging with Nikola Jokic, so uh, that was a crucial part of the game in that second quarter where
0: he picked up that second foul, and Doc Rivers decided to take you all and beat out. Yeah, it was crucial. It was crucial. But my my question to you is, um, when we look at this bench, right, and and we talk about transit uh, transition, you know, he takes them out. I mean, Andre DeAndre Jordan is one for six. George Niang looked gassed. He was two for 12. Danny Green just came back. He was 0 for 5. Shake Milton had one shot. He made a three. Right? So, the bench, man. I mean, the bench is killing him. And the bench has been killing him the last couple games. I mean, would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would agree. Because the only production that you're getting from the bench is from George Niang at this time. Last night. You had Shake Milton make a three-pointer, his only attempt. The night before in that game against the Orlando Magic, Isaiah Joe had one three-point make as well. And uh, uh, George Niang was the one who really put it together with 16 points off the bench against the Orlando Magic. He had no legs last night, Keith, against the Denver Nuggets, finishing 2-for-12 overall and 2-for-10 from deep with eight points. Overall, so it was tough, and he had a big shot at the end. he missed it from the corner. long Be found him for an open opportunity, and he had to be on the floor to try to stretch things out a bit to allow indeed and Harden to work, and maybe even Tyrese Maxey to buy his Harris as well. And the bench just hasn't been giving them anything. DeAndre Jordan, as you mentioned, 11 minutes and 40 seconds active, but one of six from the field. He had a couple of offensive rebounds. He went up very fast trying to get the bucket, instead so. Bringing the ball down, maybe kicking it out, restarting it, or even at least bringing it down a little bit, gathering himself and then going and try to explode to the basket off his, his second jump and see if he can get a bucket. But Danny Green coming back after missing the last couple of games because of the laceration on his finger, he was 0-5, 14-17, did nothing defensively really to help them. So you're right, man. This is going to be something that we're going to be paying attention to the last 15 games of the regular season, and certainly as Doc Rivers figures out his rotation, what it is in the postseason.
0: Yeah, it was it was tough, but you know, I mean, they they, they have to figure it a lot, a lot out, um, and, and we'll, we'll just see. I mean, we'll see. They got X amount of games, a handful of games to see what they can do, or a couple hands for three handful of games. To see what they can do, and um, I'm looking forward to it. You now, one thing I'm also looking forward to talking to people about is, is bet online. And, you know, y'all, I'm just telling you, if you haven't uh, checked out bet online now, you're missing out. It's something that you really need to, to pay attention to, especially right now. It's that time of year again as college basketball to- tournament is fully upon us. From the latest eyes, context, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sporting bets needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this year. Right? Head to the website today or use the mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'm telling you, do it today, people. Do it today. And then once you get done with going to bed online, you know what? I think I got something else for you guys that you might really really like, right? And what it is 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 Locked On Now, right? Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game and analysis from our local experts it's free and available wherever you get your podcast but then yeah, I got to talk to you about something else so before the game you know doc rivers was asked about james harden right he was asked about uh james harden um is he you know james hasn't been getting hasn't been making shots nor has he been taking a lot of shots right um i mean he took five he was five for 19 on sunday but when you know Doc said, you know I thought he came out to be more of a passer. I'm talking about that, that game, right? I told him I don't necessarily like that. I want him to be more aggressive early. His ability and his instincts will find where to where to pass the ball. I thought in the fourth he got more aggressive. Talking about the fourth quarter, right? He says I like the aggressive version of James more than the point guard version of James, because he's going to be a point guard anywhere just with his instincts. Now, I'm just going to say this. I understand what Doc Rivers is saying, but I think that the uh, the aggressive James Harden always looking for his shot first leads to Maxie standing around and watching. It leads to Tobias standing around and watching. And it looks to Matisse standing around and watching. I think the Sixers are better off when James was being that guy early on and, and, like, hooking guys up with passes and then getting his. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, I I, I kind of understand I, well, I, obviously, I do understand what Dr.
1: is saying, but I disagree in a sense because, as you mentioned on Sunday against the Orlando Magic, he was 5 of 19, so he was able to find some shots within the flow of the offense in transition, et cetera, against the, that Magic defense. Now, if he is, to your point, starting to look for his own shot and not necessarily facilitating in running the offense a little bit more... And that does leave, as you mentioned, the other players standing around potentially wondering what are they supposed to be doing unless they have some action going away from the particular play where he has the ball in his hands trying to figure some things out and dribble and dribble, 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 dribble. Then it's, I think that's going to be a negative for the offense. I, I heard him say after the game too, Keith, while you guys were in the post-game press conference, where he discussed the fact that you know the ball wasn't moving enough where – they weren't being themselves. The, it was his fault for James Harden not getting more than 11 shots tonight because he felt like the second part of the action did not find the open man. And uh, if that's the case, then how, while I can see it from both sides, if you're asking James Harden to take more shots, then maybe there are other opportunities too where the action is happening elsewhere where the ball needs to swing. And do you want him to make that extra pass? I would think you would want him to as a point guard. Dr. Rivers talks a lot about how he used to be a point guard. And he understands that part of the game as well. Uh, so I, I was a little curious about that statement just because he had 11 shot attempts tonight. But he had 12 free throw opportunities as well. So that means he was hunting for his shot. It just didn't count against him in the field goal opportunities in the box score because he got to the foul line. So, uh, I'm curious if this is something that they're going to adjust and maybe make a little bit of a change, Keith. I'm curious to see how that goes because we do see Maxi
0: running the offense a little bit and letting James Harden play off the ball. So, how much more of this will we see going forward? Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a lot more of Maxi running the offense. You know what I mean? Just to get, you know, because the Sixers got to look for two guys to to score. And, and, I, and I look at it, there's going to be times where, they're going to have James off the ball, but me personally, I don't know. I like what I saw the first two, first three games against uh uh Minnesota, yeah in, in in New York, and you know there's certain times I didn't like what I saw recently. Now, you know, it worked for him in the in the third quarter. Um, he heated up in the third quarter on Monday against Denver, but for the most part, you know, I honestly think that. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, more ball movement. Because when you say, I want you to be more aggressive, well, that means to me, I want you to attack. Go downhill, get to the attack, search for your own shot, right? Seek and get it. And then if stuff happens, then, you know, you can pass the ball or whatever. But to me, I think that just leads to lack of ball movement. Yeah,
1: and I can see the attack, meaning also creating for others, because when you do attack, you create off- offensive opportunities for your teammates as well. One being Matisse Bible getting his work off of some of the stuff that James Harden does with the basketball. I, I can see it that way with Doc Burgess is talking about attack, 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 and-, and getting it. because But he has to have that mindset of looking for his teammates as well when he does attack and not just finishing at the rim. So, uh, I-, I again, I just want to see how this is going to work if he decides to go that route. Tobias Harris tonight only nine shot attempts. Where last night he was ten of eighteen. Pardon me. Um, last night he was four for nine. The night before he was ten of eighteen for his twenty six points against the Orlando Magic. So just a little curious once again to see how 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 that plays out. What they do devise to make sure that they have James Harden looking a little bit more for his own opportunity versus when to decide to pass. And what does that mean for Tyrese Maxey? Is he going back into a more of a a shot-creator role? in in this now aspect of the offense, if Doc Rivers wants to go there, because we also know that Doc Rivers has felt like Tyrese Maxey has struggled as a young player trying to also get the point guard position down. So – This is going to be an interesting part of their day off on Tuesday and what they're going to try to implement by Wednesday as they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers, if that's what they want to do so soon against this Cavaliers team, Keith. So we'll see. It'll certainly be something that is going to be uh, fun to pay attention to, fun to watch overall. But, Keith, I need to tell you and folks about Rock Auto because Rock Auto is a fantastic place that we've been talking about for a bit since I've been able to join you and Rock Auto is a fantastic spot overall with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible to you, for you to go to your local chain auto parts store to stock on all the parts you need why endure those often pointless or seeming, seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter or orders the parts and the, the computer and get into all that stuff choosing the only brand that warehouse happens to carry you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket so save time and money when using rock auto and why do you choose that well you choose why do you choose to spend 30 percent 50 percent even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can go to rock auto which is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box so they know how... And all you, how you found out about Rock Auto, and uh, so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
0: Yeah, you know, nothing like Rock Auto, bro. I, I went there, <laughs> I had to do it a couple of times. Nothing like <laughs> Rock Auto, but nothing like the other ads, too, that we have, but... Look, man, the last segment, I got to ask you, you know, Joel Embiid had 34 points. He was nine for 10 from the foul line. He had nine rebounds. He had four assists. He had two blocks, uh, one still. He had five turnovers, right? He was a plus two. Nikola Jokic, he had 22 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists. Two blocks, two steals, and he had five turnovers. Now, this was the matchup of to see who's going to be MVP, to see who's going to be the the league, who's the league's best center. Who who do you think won this head-to-head matchup?
1: Well, I I think they did it in different ways, and I'll just say it like this, Keith. Before the game, I had Embiid, uh in front of. Me. Nikola Jokic. There's no slight. It's no disrespect. That just means that they've both been phenomenal all season long. And I have it as a favorite right now at this stage of the season in the MVP race. So with that, and his 34 points, nine boards, four assists, two blocks, one steal, uh, shot very well from the field, 11-20, hit three threes, not a 10 from the foul line. He didn't do anything to lose it. And I don't think Nikola Jokic did anything so spectacular where he moved himself in front of Joel Embiid with his 22, 13, and 8 tonight with two blocks and two steals either. He was fantastic as well. But this is what they've been doing all season long. So the matchup, it lived up to the expectation of how great these two players are. They are phenomenal basketball players. They are really, really good at what they do. And I just think that they gave us a show. Uh, it was a shame that Embiid got into the foul trouble that he did, not allowing him to stay on the floor potentially a little bit longer uh, again, and especially in that second quarter where the Nuggets came back and made their run and overtaken for closing the gap on the sixes, part of me, in that second quarter. So uh, I still have Embiid in the lead. I have Jokic a close second. And when it's all said and done, I expect one of these two to win. And there's no, again, there's no slight to either one of
0: them because they're both great players uh, at what they do for their respective teams. I I agree 100%. I mean, I have Embiid still number one. I feel like he played a great game. Now, both of them turned the ball over too much. You know what I mean? I know people were saying Embiid's tired. I mean, there was a stretch where Embiid was on the court a long time, especially in the fourth quarter, right? You know, he was on the floor a long time. So the way I look at it is he's still the MVP. Um, and then early on, I mean, it's hard to discount. Now, I know the game is four quarters, but it's hard to discount what he did before he went out. He was subbed out in the first quarter. He was giving the, uh, the joker the business. And yes, then like, closed. and then you said like in the second quarter he got in that he got in that foul trouble, right? So you know what I mean. So to me, it, it's like, you know, I felt like you know he he, he played well. He is going to get my vote unless something drastically changes, because I look at him and don't get me wrong, they're both extremely vital to their team. But I look at Embiid, man, and I know they want to rest him up, but I, and I know he's tired. But they're going to lose a lot without him. Now, they lose a lot without Joker, too. But they're going yeah. to lose a lot without Embiid. A lot. Yeah, I know that Rivers, or at least, you know, the report was that Rivers talked about Harden and Embiid both possibly missing some time down the stretch to get ready for the postseason because you want
1: to make sure that they're fresh after the long, you know, the minutes that they have this the season. But for Embiid, as you mentioned, and Harden, in order for them to win games, they have to be out there. And especially when we're talking about this award, which is an individual award, but it also goes to the team's success and what they've been able to do all season long. While the roster is not fantastic here in Philadelphia, they played well off of Embiid. And before the trade happened, remember, they what were they, 29 and 22, something like that, uh, before the hardened trade happened, no Ben Simmons all year long. So Maxi had blossomed. Tobias Harris still averaging his 18 and you're getting everything else that you were getting from Seth Curry, Embiid, East Danny Green, Jordan Yang, whoever you want to throw out from the roster as far as the conversation goes, uh, he has been phenomenal. And the same thing for Nicole Jokic, missing his second and third best player in Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. So he's been phenomenal. So Keith, uh, I think that my problem is when we listen to all these other people, whether it's nationally and fans that are stuck in two cities, we can we can admire both of these two players' games and respect them both and say how great they both are, without knocking the other with that. They're both great players. Uh, they are both deserving of this award. And while I think and B is the front runner and is has that slight edge on Jokic, I would understand if the voters went the other way disappointed because I think Embiid has earned it and has done nothing to lose it, and I don't think Jokic has done anything uh, outrageous to take over Embiid again. But I, I just hope that people look at it, enjoy both of these two players' style of play. While they're different, they're both tremendous. Jokic talked about after the game how he and Embiid spoke on the floor and said, "Hey, as long as one, of, well, as long as a big man wins it, they'll both be okay." Now we. I think Embiid wants it. You know better than I. <laughs> he yeah. absolutely wants the award. But, um, yeah, enjoy them both for who they are. And, again, I think Embiid, for me, is still in the front. The one that I have a question is, Keith, is this. As a voter, the NBA needs to do something because neither one of these guys
0: should be on the second team anything. Yeah, yeah, but then that also goes through that thing where you know, also how you list it. You know what I mean? I think sometimes I agents, yeah, agents fight it. So whereas, like Anthony Davis, remember one year Anthony Davis was first team center, and you're yeah. like, oh, whatever, and you're like, huh? He's not a center. Yeah so, yeah. so if you if you do that,
1: then that means because it's the same thing for the guards. With Jimmy Butler, what is he? Is he a forward? Or is he a guard? Is Is Luka Doncic? Is he a forward? Or is he a guard? This year, Demar Derozan is he a forward or is he a guard? So when I look at Jokic and Embiid, look, man, they both need to be on the first team as the two frontrunners for MVP. So they need to make sure that Jokic is also a forward or whatever they want to do uh, to make sure that both he and Embiid are on first team all-NBA.
0: Yeah. yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll make a change because, yeah, they, these two guys, or uh, you can arguably say this year, they're both, you know, top. I'll say top four guys in the league this year. 100%. Yeah, top 100%. four. And, and the other two, to me, are uh, LeBron and KD. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but then you could put Steph in there as well. But but they're they're definitely top four. Top four, top five. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then
1: you, and you talk about Giannis
0: as well. Yeah, Giannis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Giannis. So, you know, KD probably wouldn't get it because he missed a lot of games. But sure. he is that guy. But hey, the and and y'all, I want to thank y'all for listening to us, and um, make sure you come back tomorrow, and, and we'll have a podcast tomorrow. And um, Ad, just tell people where they can find you and follow you.
1: Again, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Devon D E V O N G nine seven five, and uh, on 97.5, seven five The Fanatic FM Philadelphia Radio six to ten. Monday through Friday or before and after six-week games since we are the flagship station of the Philadelphia 76 or So you can find me there or at 975.com if you're listening around the country or the world and listening to the show as well. Sometimes keep us on as a guest as well.
0: <laughs> and y'all and can man. listen to me at, uh, well, listen to me. You can read me at inquire.com. You can pick up a Philadelphia Inquire. And you can follow me on Twitter at Pompeii on Sixers. And I just want to thank all you guys for listening. I want you guys to have a, a, a great Tuesday. And again, thanks for making us the first listen of your day, right? And I would like to conclude this thing by telling you guys that you can always go on to Locked On NBA, right? Yeah. Now make that your second listen. Locked on NBA, locked on, uh, locked on NBA has uh, experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than thirty minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Peace.